All right, everybody. Hey, welcome to New Life. Glad you guys are here. There's not a lot of commotion. I don't hear a lot of noise going on, you know, for... There we go. There we go. I was just wondering. I was hoping that possibly, maybe, that the earth hadn't depleted some oxygen, which caused all of us to be... I was hoping the oxygen levels were still up, you know, because I like to breathe. Anybody else with me? Okay, good. Glad you guys like to breathe. Well, my name is Jeff Baker. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. If this is your first Sunday with us, I definitely want to say thanks for coming out and worshiping with us. If there's anything that we can do to serve you better and just to make your worship experience here at New Life enjoyable, we want to be able to do that. So we have our ushers that are in the back. We also have people that are out at our information table that are here to serve you. If you see anyone walking around with a football jersey, they're possibly one of our pastors, Um, just so that you know. And many of you said to me you didn't get the memo I don't know really how else to tell you this is Super Bowl Sunday. Um, if I have to send out a memo about that, then that's pretty, that's pretty bad, all right? Um, you may want to, every once in a while, check the internet for, you know, current events that are happening in the world. Um, take, turn your TV on. So, um, it's Super Bowl Sunday, okay? Now, I just gotta be honest with you. This will be the very first game I watch all season long. Is anybody else with me? Anyone else? Okay. There you go. So I'm not the biggest Super Bowl or I'm a big football fan. I do like the Super Bowl. I like the Super Bowl more for just hanging out with people. All right. So someone asked me, like, where did you get that jersey? And, you know, it was sitting outside the Goodwill in a box, just sitting there. And I just picked it up and was able to use it. So if you're a Packer fan, I'm sorry. But uh, evidently not everybody is. Um, no, at... <laughs> I thought that might get an applause. So it's a good way to kick it off, make enemies and friends. It's a great way to kick off any sermon right there. Um, so all of you that are still with me and those of you that, uh, you know, are trying to forgive me right now, today, today we have a very interesting, uh, very interesting sermon. We've entitled it Pep Talk. If, if, if any of you ever played on a sports team, you understand the power of a pep talk. It's that moment where the coach gets all fired up right before the game, you know, or it's in the halftime, or it's in a timeout, and he's just telling you exactly the way it's supposed to be, um, telling you other things as well. But he's trying to encourage you. He's trying to, like, pump you up. He's trying to get you back into the game no matter what the game is. It doesn't matter. Every game has someone that has to bring a pep talk. And so today, Super Bowl Sunday, there's going to be some historic pep talks that are going to happen. There's going to be some ex- historic moments where the coach gets in front of the players, whether it's before the game, it's in the halftime, it's the timeout. It's going to come because today's Super Bowl Sunday. And today we're going to have pep talks, but we're going to be doing a lot of other things, hanging out with friends. How many of you guys are going to hang out with some friends today and you're going to watch the game? Who, who's doing it at all? Come on, let me see five hands, six hands. All right, good. Can I get a seventh? Okay, there we go. So when you come together and you and you gather for the Super Bowl Sunday, did you realize there's going to be eight million, eight million pounds of guacamole that will be eaten today? Come on, guac people. Yes, that's a lot of guac. I didn't even know there were that many guacamole plants or whatever those things are. Avocados, avocados. I didn't realize there's that many avocados on the planet. Uh, Fourteen and a half tons of chips will be dipped into that stuff, plus salsa, cheese, and thrown at one another during the game. So there's a lot going on. Every one of those 30-second commercials that you watch has an estimated cost of $2.8 million. 
for one of them. So please enjoy them, all right? That's a lot of money. In fact, you're basically getting paid to watch the game when you calculate all the money that's being spent. They're paying you to watch the game. And in the middle of all of that, there's going to be these moments that are going to happen. These moments where the teams come together for these pep talks. One of those pep talks happens in the huddle. The huddle. The huddle is a very important part of the game. So for you non-football people... You've got the plays, and then they all come together, and they get around one another, right? And they're like, okay, uh, we don't have a clue what we're doing. Someone tell us what to do. And the quarterback's there, and he's like, you guys got to remember, you run that way, and you run this way, and they, they call the next play. The huddle is an important part of every football game. And the fans, the fans, they know this. So the fans, they come, and, and they're expecting it. They're, they have a grace in their heart for the team to huddle together because they know there has to be some dialogue, some organization. There has to be some planning that happens so that the play happens. But I'm going to tell you one thing about fans. The fans didn't come to watch the team huddle, did they? No. The fans didn't come to watch the team huddle. The fans came to watch the team play. And not just play. They want them to dominate the other team. Right? So if you're rooting for the Broncos, I didn't, there's more people rooting for the Broncos than are actually going to watch the game. That's amazing. All right, so if you're rooting for the Broncos, then you want them to dominate the Seahawks. But if you're rooting for the Seahawks, you want them to dominate the Broncos, right? And what you're not interested in is this seeing your team huddle up. That's just not where the game's played. You want them to get out there, hit somebody hard, you know, make a touchdown. You want your team to score. You don't want to watch them just in a huddle. But as Christians, one of the things that we really love, we love our huddles. We love our huddles. Our huddles in Christianity are when we come together on Sunday morning. And when we come together on Wednesday nights. When we come together for other activities. I mean, we really like our huddles. When we all gather together as the team to have the pep talk. We, we like our huddles. We like our huddles so much that we'll come together with one another and we'll say, you know what? Our huddle, you know what our huddle is? Our huddle has better players than other huddles in town. You know our huddle? Our huddle has a better quarterback than their quarterback. Oh, uh, you know what about our huddle? Our huddle calls better plays than what they call over there. Yeah, and you know what? I'll tell you what. Man, today, Sunday, we had an incredible huddle. We get excited about huddles. <laughs> Our huddles in Christianity are it's moments like this. But we have to come together. We come together to capture the heart of God. We come together to seek the heart of God. We come together to hear what the coach has to say. But just like in the football game today, you didn't, you're not going to tune in today and eat 8 million pounds of guac just to watch your team huddle. You came to watch your team play the game. And the world isn't interested in how many times we huddle together. The world's interested in how we get out there and we play the game. So today, you're coming to hear from the coach. You're coming to hear from the coach. It's a huddle. The huddle could also be called the halftime. This could be called a timeout. We've called a halftime. We've called a huddle here on Sunday so we can get the play so that when we walk back out of these doors for the next six days, we know how to play the game. Today is nothing but a huddle. This is not where the game of Christianity is played. So if you're here today and you're new, you're new in your journey and you thought that, you know, this is where the game's played, 
I, I, I need to let you know, this is where we meet with the coach so that we can get out there and play the game. So to help you hear from the coach today, to help you hear from Jesus, to help you hear from his word, I'm going to, what we're going to do is we're going to have a pep talk. And to have this pep talk, I'm going to bring up a few of our coaches here at New Life. I'm going to bring up some of our Some of our pastors, I'm going to bring up Pastor Roger, Pastor Nate, and Pastor Ed. Would you give it up for these guys? They're going to come and help us hear what the coach has to say today. Come on. Welcome. Welcome, guys. So you heard me, you heard me set it up. There's a, you know, in, um, I grew up in church my entire life, and I thought that, I thought that when we came together on Sundays, that that's where the game, you know, was played. But it's really, the game is really played when we walk out of these doors. That's where the reality of Christianity, it hits the world. And the world's looking for the church to get out there and show them what it means to, you know, defeat the enemy. Show them what it means to live joyful, even in the midst of, you know, fumbling the ball every once in a while. And so there's a few things that I want to talk to you guys about. But I think what might be the best way to do is we'll start with you, Raj. And then we'll just kind of work our way back around this way. Um, So, Raj, uh, you know, I asked you to kind of give some thought to... What would Jesus have to say to his team here at New Life so that we could go and play the game, do what we're supposed to do for the next six days? And when you kind of were searching the scriptures and kind of hearing what God's heart was, what were some of the things that were standing out to you? Well, I, I guess I think this, if we could look at this as just one big locker room and you're here at halftime, I know one thing. I've been in enough locker rooms. I've been here in games and all the team, anybody who's been in sports, how many have played sports in high school or somewhere? And you know you go in there, and sometimes that first half didn't go the way you planned. You failed. How many have felt that you come to church sometime on a Sunday morning, and you're a failure, and you're not sure how God the coach is going to be viewing you? You know what I'm talking about. It kind of gets a little discouraged. You, you put on that happy face, that positive face. But you know deep inside, you think, God's seen me as a failure. Here's the deal, folks. You may have failed God this week, but God's plan hasn't failed you. The key every week is this. Every day, in fact, regardless of how the game of life is being played, whether it's good or bad, is we need to stick with God's game plan. So what do I mean by that? What does that mean? Well, see, every game starts with a game plan. Both Super Bowl teams, their coach, they've come up with a game plan for today. Right. I remember when I was in high school. Now, this isn't a football story. It's a basketball story. But I was a freshman, I think, and uh, I had a good friend of mine who was on, on the A team, and I was on the B team, so to speak, and he could shoot lights out. And the coach came up with a game plan where there'd be three guys that run, and they'd set a pick for him, and he'd run around and pick his guy off. And he would shoot. And that was the main play. And we just kept running it and running it and running it. Well, it worked pretty good. He scored 46 points and we won pretty easily. Uh, well, at least we won. I can't remember how easily, but we won. Well, the next week we were going to have a freshman game in a mill town called Lynch, Nebraska. And the coach thought, let's do that for that team. Guess what? I got to be the guy who shot. <laughs> well... When we got there, one of the things I found out is we'd try to run the game plan, but not everybody would set the picks, and I still had a guy on me sometimes. And even when we did do it, I didn't always make all the shots. 
And when it came halftime, I went in, and I think everybody went in thinking, uh-oh, are we in trouble? This will not be run the second half. Guess what happened? This is what the coach told me. He said, hey, guys, don't be discouraged. You just got to stick with the game plan. Right. But here's the key, and I think some of you have maybe you've heard this on TV once in a while. You've just got to execute. Anybody heard that? I think Bo's mentioned that a time or two. What he did is he put hope back into us. He says, hey, you guys can do it. Here's what you got to do. Here's what you're not doing. Here's where you go. And he helped us. And, well, one thing led to another. We went back out there that second half. No, I didn't score 46 points. But we won. And we worked the game plan and we won. So how many know that God has a game plan for you? Do you, guys, do you guys know that God has a game plan for each one of us here? And I think it can be summed up in one verse, a verse that has just really spoken to me, and I, I believe it's, it's, it's my game plan, and I believe it's a game plan that God has given not just for me but for all of us. It's found in John 15:5. It says, Those who remain in me, and then I in them, it's talking about this is Jesus speaking, he says, what were we going to do? We're going to produce what? Much fruit. We're going to do good, guys. We're going to do good. But here's the key. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. That is the key to this whole verse. Here's the deal. Just how many have laptops? I just got one. <laughs> I also have my iPad. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting. You never have to worry about the battery going off. Yeah. That. Right. yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's just like an unplugged laptop. What happens? Pretty soon, we were working in there the other day, and Jeff was helping with some things, and all of a sudden he said, you might need to plug this in. It was down to about 20%, and pretty soon I looked, it was 3%, and I stuck the plug in, in and, and all of a sudden I was plugged back in, and all of a sudden things started working. We need to stay plugged in is what I'm trying to tell you here. The Apostle Paul put it this way, we can do all things through Christ. All right. things. When we stay plugged in, we can do all things. Right on. Good. Right on. We can win the game. Jesus is telling us here, hey guys, you can do it. This is my game plan. Stay close to me. Don't try to go it alone. Don't try to do it in your own strength. Live my life through you in everything. Not just the spiritual things, but in everything you do in life. Now, here's what he's telling us right now. Let's get together. That's you and, you and Jesus. And let's go back out on that field of life. Let's get back into the game and let's win. I haven't given up on you. Right on. Right on. See, it all starts with a heart, though. A heart that trusts. We sang about this earlier. A heart that trusts. A heart that believes in God's game plan. And the key to winning the Super Bowl or the key to winning in this life is believing in the game plan with all of your heart and then sticking with it. And if you do that, you can't go wrong. Wow, Raj. You're all fired up. I am. Let's go. Go Cowboys. Next year. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you. It's only been 20 years, so you can tell how old the jersey is. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. It looks like you ripped that off like a teddy bear and sewed it back together again. It's <laughs> Jared Clark. <It's>, oh, <laughs> no. 
No, you were all fired up, and you got me like you got me ready just to go. Let's pray and let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah, the power, good. the power of the fact of your story is just incredible. That God has a game plan, and our life doesn't alter God's game plan. That's right. That's what I sensed happened to me when I was called in the ministry. Yeah, is that God reminded me, Jeff? I know, I know the path that you've been on. I know the sinful life that you've been living, but don't forget that my plan for you never changes. God has a plan for our lives, and it's never going to change. Um, yeah, we're going to walk in here, and we're going to feel defeated, but in the end, we need to know God's plan and his game plan of sending Christ to die on a cross for us and resurrected again, and the grace that he brings through that, that's the power that transforms my life. That's the power that the world's looking for. Yeah. That's what the world's looking for. That's exactly the illustration I gave in the beginning. Get out there and live God's game plan. Yes. Now, if we were a real sports team or we were real announcers, then we would go, okay, great, we got a game plan, we're going to stick to it. But how does the game plan affect like the defense and the offense? Let's break it down. So in a football game, you've got the defense guys, they're trying to keep the other team from doing what? Scoring. Scoring, right. you got the offense, and they're trying to do what? They're trying to score. So the defense is what we want to talk about first. So, Ed... Listen, you are our junior high youth pastor, so if you guys haven't ever been introduced to him, he rocks it down there. Junior hires love him. It's a crazy place. Um, <laughs> slime and goo and stuff's flying everywhere yeah. on Wednesday nights, and teenagers and are coming to know, coming to know Jesus. <laughs> no, no, you're doing some great stuff down there. We appreciate that. Uh, but help us understand defense, all right? Help us understand. If Jesus is our coach, he's going to come to us, and he's going to talk to us about defense. Tie this, tie this together for us. Help us understand it. Absolutely. Well, for me, first of all, when I was in high school, I played defense. The coach kind of came up and he's like, you know what? I need all the studs in the room to play defense. So, that, <laughs> so I naturally, I went, <laughs> just, that's, but no, like in high school, a lot of times, they usually pick. Is that a true pick, story? Yeah, it's a true story. <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not, I used to be, be pretty buff. But, <laughs> but back in, but back in high school, a lot of times on high school teams, they put the best players on defense because the coaches know how valuable it is to protect the end zone. I, I had a coach to look at me one time and he said, Ed, and he looked at all the other players too and he said, what I need you to do is I need you to imagine that everything you hold dear in this whole world, your family, your friends, whatever it is, is behind you. And there are some bad men trying to, trying to take that away from you. That is the tenacity that you need to have in your heart to prevent these guys from scoring. That's hmm. that's, and, and that's, that, that's the attitude that we need to have. Guys, our personal relationship with God, the things that God does in our life is just like that end zone. We need to, Proverbs 4.23, a verse in here says, we need to guard our heart above all else for everything you do flows from it. When I first got saved or when a lot of us first came into a relationship with Christ, I think we had that tenacity that said, man, I'm going to read four study Bibles. I'm going to do, you know, the one, two, and three-year Bible. I'm going to come to every life group, right? You guys remember those feelings? I'm going to do all this stuff. I had that huge tenacity in my heart that said, I'm going to go for God with everything that I have. But then slowly, after a while, we forget about that picture. We forget about that concept that says, I have to defend this heart and yeah. this relationship with God with everything that I hold dear because sometimes our passion just fades away. You know, our coach yeah. said that to us in that game. I was jacked up. I had like, you know, like a bunch of tackles and stuff. And then as the season went on, I forgot about that. I forgot about that illustration and my passion started to fade away for that. And I think that happens to a lot of us is we come in and we don't always guard our relationship with God. We, we don't always remember that there is an enemy out there that wants 
to score, that wants to take away our personal passion with God mm-hmm. and wants to hold us back from growing deeper and near in our relationship with God. And that's really what Christ calls us to. As Christians, we need to guard that. We need to hold on to that because that's what the world is asking us. They're asking us, are we really who we say we are? Because we're going to come in and we're going to huddle here on Sundays. And then when we go out in the world, we're not going to be anything different. Mm. Are we really who we say we are? And you know that those people, that who they are, they are who you really say they are. Did I say that right? Those people who are who they really think and say that they are. You know, like you're walking in Walmart and you see them and they're just full of the Holy Spirit. And so you go down the other aisle because you don't want to get convicted right there by the crackers, right? You know, they're they're those kind of people. And and that's what God asks us to do is he wants us to find out where if we are really who we say we are. And there's a verse I want to draw your attention to in, in Matthew chapter 12. And it's the story of the Pharisees bringing this demon-possessed man before Jesus. And Jesus cast out this, this demon, and, and they say to him, how do we really know that you are who you say you are? And Jesus says, well, a house divided against itself cannot stand. I can't cast out demons if I am a demon. That's not how it works. And he gives us this incredible illustration that applies directly to where we're at. And this is what Jesus is saying in response. He says, How can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless his first, unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can plunder his house? Guys, that's exactly what the enemy wants to do to us. When we had that relationship with Christ, when we first entered into that, we need to feed the strong man. We have been made strong people in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. And we need to feed that strong man. The enemy wants to tie you up in a lot of different ways, whether it be over time with the degradation of your marriage, whether it be over time with your personal integrity or your lack of reading or whatever it is, the enemy wants to take away and tie up the, the strong man, you, the guardian of your heart. That's, that's what the enemy wants to do. One quick story that, <laughs> that, that reminded me of this. Uh, when I was a youth pastor in Minnesota, um, I used to be really, really competitive. I still can be competitive. But there was this one time where we were playing capture the flag and I stacked my team. I picked all the really, really good buff athletic kids, right? And it <laughs> like was just one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was just one of those moments where I'm like, we are going to win and I don't care what happens. We're going to knock somebody out or whatever. I'm sick of these other kids and we're going to win. Okay. Maybe not the best heart. But it happened. I'll just say that. All right. So I'm like, we are going to win. And so I come in as the coach. And I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. You guys are going to be the scout team. You're going to do this. You're going to go. And I said, okay, you guys probably aren't very good. So you just go and get out. And you be the pawns or whatever. I didn't say that to him. This is just my thoughts. So don't fire me after this. I'm just being vulnerable with you today. So I said, hey, we, this is our plan. You're going to go here. We're going to work together. And then in, after we kind of get some things moving, we have our squadron. We have our go team. And we're just, you guys are going to charge, and you're going to go for it, and you're going to get the flag. And so once I made the command, I just I yelled, and everybody's like, Aah! and this like holy surge. It was like the heavens opened, and my team was just, duh, 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 and they just charged. And they got the flag, and one of the kids had the flag. And he's about to get about to get tackled, and he passes it to the other guy, and then the kid just takes off, and he dodges like four little girls, and he's like, yeah, and he comes back, and we're like, yeah, everybody's cheering, and it's awesome, and I look at the the official who's officiating the game, and he's like, game's not over. I'm like, what do you mean the game's? Did you just see that gl- like heaven just fell down on earth in this play? Like it was incredible. Did you see that? And he's like, look, 
And I see this little kid, like a four-foot-nothing, just super small kid, snuck behind our whole play, just came back and stole our flag. So the game, yeah, I was so frustrated. I'm like, well, get that kid! But that's what happens to us, isn't it? We have this, this focus and this concept of what it looks like to love God or be involved in all these life groups or to do all these things. And maybe we're so focused in one area, but then we forget to guard our own flag. We don't guard our own heart or our own personal time with God or our own personal integrity sometimes. And that's what God is really calling us to do, is we need to remember how important that is in our relationship with God to have that in ourselves. Right on, right on. Man, that's good stuff. You're not still playing capture the flag anymore, yeah? Not like that. I've calmed okay. down right. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So if you do have junior hires, just know he's changed his ways. Yeah. <laughs> defense. Defense a lot of the times doesn't have a lot of glory you know, to it. Um, one of the teams playing in the Super Bowl has the number one defense in the league. And they're playing against the number one offense in the league. And I heard a uh, reporter say on TV the other night, that the last four times that that's happened, the team with the strongest defense is the team that won the game. So it's very true that defense, defending ourselves, keeping our hearts pure, not just seeing how far you can stretch grace, but seeing how much you can be like Christ, living your heart like His. You know, Jesus went out into the desert and He was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. But the defense of His heart, knowing that He belonged to His Father knowing that he would sent with a mission, allowed him to defend off and to push off that temptation for those 40 days. He comes out of the desert and the power of the Holy Spirit's all over him and God does amazing things in his life. We're going to have to walk like Jesus with that defense. We're going to have to value defense equally as much, if not more than, we value offense. That's right. But we do have an offense. That's right. You know, because we can't just huddle up. If it's just about defense in the kingdom, then we all move into a commune Right? We build a really big 24-foot wall around it, and we just defend ourselves from the world. So we're not called just to defend ourselves and just huddle up like we do every Sunday. We have to go out into the real world and live out the game. That's called offense. So, Nate, you're our man. You're the only one that's actually wearing a shirt from one of the teams that's being played today. All right? So, congrats, congratulations. And it just happens to be that, isn't it this team? This is the team that has the number one offense in the entire league. Is that right? That's right. We have the number one offense. And uh, so today, our, I got three points for you. And so today, if we're going to look at, um, if we're going to look at Sunday as our halftime, then we got to refocus on Sundays. That's the time where we come together. And we have to put, uh, put aside our selfish desires. Have you ever watched an offensive uh, team where they have one of those crybaby, like, selfish boys? There's like, yeah, throw me the ball, throw me the ball more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the we, Cowboys have the one Cowboys of those. The Cowboys got one of those guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Broncos used to have one, and then they traded him. We but, have uh, some passers on staff like that. Uh, yeah. Are you talking about me? No. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No. no. And so we, we've got to be able to put aside our selfish desires. So we're going to look at uh, Luke 9, 23, and it says, If anyone wants to be a follower of me, you must turn from your selfish ways and take up your cross daily and follow me. That's what God has called us to, is to put aside the desires of our own heart, or the desires of ourself, because we're a team. All of us, we all need each other. Look That's at the person right. next to you and go, hey, I need you. I need you. Turn to the person on the other side. I need you. I need you. I need you you too. Right on. So we have to put aside our desires 
And we have to refocus. And so whatever that is when you come in and, and you sense when the coach is speaking every Sunday and you sense something in your spirit that God is saying, hey, this is an area in your life that you need to work on, yeah. then you need to surrender that. Yes. You need to come back and say, God, I'm going to give this to you. So many times we, we try to grab and hold on to things. And, and God is saying, hey, will you just live your life with your hands open and just in surrender? Right and to surrender. So that's the first thing that we need to do. We need to, we need to reflect and refocus um, on Sundays. Number two, what happens before the game? What happens before you actually go out and compete in a game? You probably practice. Mm. And so I just, I just sense God was saying to us, you need to focus daily. I don't know when you do your daily devotion time or what that looks like, but you need to refocus every morning. I, I like to do my devotions in the morning. It's something that I, I say, God, would you put this desire, would you put the fruits of your spirit inside of me that I may effectively throughout the day live those out. And so that's point number two is, is focusing daily, taking time to execute God's game plan. If you wake up, What's, what's the tendency? You wake up, your, your natural sin, sinful desire is the one that, that comes alive, right? Yeah. Probably. But if you take time to, to focus your heart, to, to guard your heart, to focus it, you can be more offensive, effective during the day because you set your mind on things above and you focus your heart so that you can execute God's game plan. Colossians 3, 2 says this, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. If you want to be effective for the kingdom of God, you've got to focus your heart and your mind. Today, there is a, uh, the, the word set means to, to possess or to focus, to obtain. And that's what the, what we, we're going to see in the Super Bowl. We're going to see those two, those teams. They've worked hard. They've set their minds and their hearts on possessing the Lombardi trophy. It's the pinnacle of all, all, of all the awards that they can, they can win. And that's what they want to do. And it's the same thing with us. Um, for us as believers, you know, it's just not good enough for us to make it to heaven. But our heart should be, as we live this, as we live an offensive life on this earth, our heart should be to, to have the heart and the mind of Christ and to witness to those around us. Amen? Right. Amen. So to set your mind on things above, I got a little illustration. Probably some of you have seen this. Maybe you, some, some of you haven't. We're going to put this up on the screen. What I want you to do is, can you just look at these four dots right here? One, two, three, four. Look at those for just about 20 seconds. Can you just stare at it or up on the screen? Just stare at it for 20 seconds. Can you do it? All right, now close your eyes and tilt your head up just a little bit. What do you see? What do you see? I see the back of your head. You see the back of my head. Okay, cool. What do you see? You see Jesus. It's not enough just for us to set our minds. We can look at this little illustration and go, oh, there's God. Cool. Or we wear a little, uh, a little cross around our neck as a reminder. Or we have stuff on our phone and a picture of Jesus or in our house. It's not enough for us just to go, oh, I'm just going to remember this or have this momento, momento. What am I saying? Moment. Memento. 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 Thank you. Thank, that's why I got my team here yeah. there to help me out. It's just <laughs> right. not enough to have that as just a reminder. But Philippians 4, 8 says this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts, your mind on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about these things. They are excellent and worthy of praise. Every day we have to get up every morning and set our mind on Christ, set our mind on Jesus, the things above. He's the purest and perfect definition of our faith. And if we focus on Him, we will take, we will begin to reflect Him and live Him out. And we'll be able to be, take the offensive stance that He did in the world around Him. We'll be able to give answers to people's problems. We will be able to have a compassionate heart to those people that are co-workers who are frustrating you and irritating you. Or when your kids are like hungry and they're just out of control. God will give you grace. He'll give you love. And you'll be able to reflect who you want to be when you come in on Sunday. You'll be able to truly be that out in the world. Amen? Right on. Amen. And the last thing that I just want to hit with this is 
the last thing you do, and I, was gonna, I wasn't going to wear a jersey, but I thought it would get all hooked up in the mic, but the last thing you do before you actually go out onto the field of the game, you actually put on your jersey. And so Colossians 3.10 says this, it says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Yes. Every day you have to choose to, to put on Christ. That's the, that's right the on. renewing the mind, but you have to put him on. Yeah. Will you choose to do that? To let yourself be identified with Christ. So many times it's easier for us to come in here in these walls and be identified with Christ. But when we get out there, we get intimidated, we get scared, we let fear of the enemy come in and try to come against us. And then we go, oh, I, I don't know, I'm, I can't really stand for Christ today. But just choosing to put on to be identified. I'm being identified with the Broncos, so I hope they do well. But if they don't, who cares? It's just a game. But being identified with Christ is way more important than being identified oh, yes. with some team. Mm-hmm. Right on. And so that's really my heart, because it says this, that God's game plan is this. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's yes. Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's Jesus. So that's, that's our offensive plan. Right, man. Right on. I like it. I like it. We got some offense. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, come on. Everybody wants to be a part of a winning team. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Okay? Are you, and I want to be a part of a winning church. Amen. And I know that what Jesus did for us and that He is our leader and our Lord makes us on the winning team. It's just so often we forget the fact we're on the winning team because we go back to what Raj said. We go back to the fact that we walk in to hear the game plan feeling like we failed the game plan the week before. We walk in feeling like we've failed the coach, like we've blown it. We didn't play the play like we were supposed to. We knew what God's Word said, but we didn't walk it out. And when now we hear a sermon like today, and we're going, oh, okay, well, it's probably because my defense isn't very good. I'm not defending myself. I, I, don't, I don't have those, those protections built up so that I can you know, push off the attack of the enemy. I can flee the enemy. I can speak to him in the authority of Jesus' name and watch, watch his scheming plans be failed right before me. And so now you're sitting here going, man, now I can't live the game plan out, and I don't even know if I'm strong enough to do that. So now here's Nate, and he's talking about, let's go score a touchdown. Let's go let the world know, you know, that we live for Christ, that the jersey we wear is one that has been bought, you know, by the price and the sacrifice of Jesus. So I want to encourage you today. I don't want you to be discouraged today. I want you to know you're on the winning team. That's right. You're on the team of, you're on the team JC. That's old school. That's like his shirt. Who's in the Around the team. Yeah. 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 That's super old school, JC. Or WWJD. There you go. Right. Um, so you're on the winning team. And you know what? You're a part of a church that together, collectively, you here in the first service, those who are going to show up in the second service, those who are going to worship in our main auditorium and down in our gym, and those who are going to worship with us even in extended campuses, we're going to link together to become stronger with one another, to get out in our community and really let the world know that we have bought into the game plan of Jesus and that God is our leader. God's our leader. And if we follow him, guys, I'm telling you, stick to the game plan. We're going to win in the end. Stick to the right. game plan. Yeah, we're going to have some, sco- we're going to have some touchdowns scored on us. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. But we're also going to score some touchdowns. Amen. Right. But we're going to see people's lives transformed and changed. But it all starts with you. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says this about our leader. It says, but thank God that he, being God, he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. 
That's what the coach is saying to you today. He's going, don't ever forget, I'm your leader. Follow me. And that's what I'm trying to do. So yeah, I might be one of your coaches, but you need to know, I'm trying to get the game plan from him. He's my leader. And he, I want you to bypass, bypass me. Don't, don't rely on me, the coach, to be the one that just always gives you the pep talk. I want you to go straight to the one who is our leader. That's his, his name is Jesus. That's right. I want you to connect yeah. with him. That's the offense that you were talking about. I want you to hear from him. I want us to come together going, I met with the coach this week, and the coach did great things in my life. So today, today was just a pep talk. Today was just a day to remind you that we've got a game that has to get played. And in a few minutes, our worship team's going to come out. And this is going to be your moment and my moment where we're one-on-one with the coach. And what was it that the coach was saying to you today? How was he directing you? How was the Holy Spirit speaking to you? What's the action steps that he wants you to take? Does he want, does he want you to come back and just admit, God, your plan's best? Does he want you to come and humble yourself and go, God, I'm not strong enough to do this on my own. I don't have a strong enough defense. I need you. Or does he want you to come and, you know, get the game plan for the offense of how he wants you to go out and love the world, love the people that you work with, love your neighbors. Maybe he wants you to go out and figure out who you're going to invite to bring back the next week on this special service called Transparent. Get one of the flyers. Go out and invite somebody. I guarantee you the Holy Spirit's beating in your heart today about going out and helping people know who he is. Why? Because he said, I'm the leader. And my challenge to you is that I want you to go and spread the good news like a sweet perfume. Yes. Like a sweet perfume. I guarantee you, the game plan has not changed. You and me are still called in 2014 to go into the world. To go into the world and spread the good news like a sweet perfume. So let's get our marching orders from the one that all of us go to. His name is Jesus. I'm going to pray. Why don't you stand with me? Lord, as we stand here today, there's been a few things that have just really kind of jumped off the page at me. There are things that I've, I've known, but yet maybe I've never heard them said the same way. Lord, just to hear one more time that your game plan that you came up with before the beginning of time is the one you're still sticking with, that's phenomenal. I look at my own life. Lord, we could all look at our lives. We started with one game plan. We've changed it 30 times. That just shows you the frailty of humanity. It shows you, God, that our wisdom is really like foolishness to you. Because, God, your wisdom was able to start a game plan and foresee its outcome so that you could stick with it from the beginning all the way to the end. That's what makes you holy. That's what makes you just. That's what makes you righteous. That's what makes you perfect. That's what makes you all-powerful. But you still love us. You still love this world. You still love humanity on this planet, no matter how wicked it's become. You still love it. You still love them. You love the person, but you hate the sin. But you love us, even though we've fallen and failed you. And yeah, sure, we walked in and the game plan didn't go like you really planned it to, or maybe it, it didn't go like we really wanted it to. But God, you're here and you're wanting to, you're wanting to speak into our hearts and you want to remind us, get back out and play the game. Get back out and love the world. Get back out and spread the good news like a fragrance. So Lord, we come to you and we recognize you are our coach. You are our leader. And apart from you, 
we're going to fail. And apart from you, we're going to lose the game. So we come to you, surrendering our lives, saying, Coach, speak to us. Speak to us. Give us that holy pep talk one more time so that we'll walk out of these doors and be your men and be your women on the field of life. In Jesus' name, amen.